Welcome to the Lexington Public Library's Tales from the Kentucky Room podcast, where we discuss everything Lexington and Fayette County history. I'm Miriam, and in each episode of this podcast, we will feature a guest that will share a piece of local history. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. In 1824, President James Monroe invited the Marquis de Lafayette to the United States to celebrate 50 years of independence. As the last surviving general of the Revolutionary War, Lafayette was received with great pomp and circumstance at every stop of his tour. This was no different at his stop here in Lexington, Kentucky. On the podcast today, we invited my colleague, David Bryant, to give us the details of that visit as we are heading towards the bicentennial commemoration of that tour. So welcome, David. How are you? Good. Good. Thank you for coming and joining us for the podcast. Thanks for having me. Let's start off with the Marquis' early life. Can you tell us a little bit about where he was born and what kind of early family life he had? Okay, sure. Lafayette was born in 1757 in the village of Chavignac, France. He was born into the noble class, into a family going back hundreds of years, including a long line of notable military figures. He spent his early years in the rural village of Chavignac and moved to Paris when he was 10, going from living in a remote village to one of the largest cities in the world. Both of his parents died when he was young. His father was killed in battle in the Seven Years' War when when Lafayette was two, and his mother died of a sudden illness when he was 12. And based on inheritance laws at the time, this resulted in him inheriting two very large fortunes, making him among the richest people in France at a very young age. And added to this, he married into the powerful Noailles family, which was possibly the richest family in France after King Louis the Fifteenth. So he was very well-to-do family, and yes. So considering that, what inspired him to come to America and, per- and participate in our? Revolutionary War. Talk to us a little bit about what motivated him. Sure. Following in the footsteps of his father, Lafayette wanted to make a name for himself as a military hero. Mm -hmm. Lafayette attended a dinner with King George III's out-of-favor brother and learned about the colonists' struggle for independence. So Lafayette became very interested in fighting for the American Revolution as a way to make a name for himself and to avenge his father's death, who was killed by the British. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there were actually quite a few men at this time seeking to make a name for themselves in the American Revolution. But Lafayette was able to use his considerable fortune and connections to buy a ship called the La Victoire and arrange his travel to America. I should add, his decision was not without controversy, especially from his wife and family. I'm sure. (laughs) Um, And being only 19 years old, his youth undoubtedly contributed to his desires and sense of confidence. (laughs) And this is evidenced by the fact that on the family crest of the ship, he added the words Cournon, which is Latin for why not? Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I guess these times of, of war is, it kind of attracts the youth's vigor. and, and, and Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, definitely that was the case with Lafayette. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he made it to the United States during the Revolutionary War and met George Washington. Talk to us a little bit about that relationship and how it came about. Sure. Initially, Washington was not very impressed with Lafayette and was skeptical of him like other Frenchmen who were seeking to make a name for themselves in the revolution. But Lafayette showed a true desire to learn from Washington, and it led to a close relationship between the two. 
Washington became a mentor and a father figure to Lafayette, and the friendship lasted many years. So Washington, George Washington and the Congress first gave Lafayette an honorary appointment as a general, but he proved himself and later went on to be involved in key battles of the Revolutionary War, like Brandywine, Bunker Hill, and Yorktown. And I think this is a, a really interesting story. Some years later, after Lafayette returned to France, he played a key role in the early part of the French Revolution and was given a key to the Bastille. And as a show of his friendship and appreciation um, for Washington, Lafayette had the key shipped to George Washington. And the key is still on display at Washington's home, Mount Vernon, today. Oh, wow. So yeah. it's still there. Yeah. General Lafayette's tour of the U.S. was an eventful trip and making several stops before making his way to our region here in central Kentucky. Can you give us a little bit about information about that stop um, here in Lexington and who was involved in the organization of the tour? Sure. President James Monroe, along with the Congress, invited Lafayette in 1824 for the approaching 50th anniversary of the United States and also as a way to unify the country during westward expansion of the United States. So traveling with his son, George Lafayette, his assistant, Auguste Lavasseur, and his valet, Bastian, the tour began in New York City, and Lafayette planned to visit all 24 states. It's really hard to overstate the popularity of Lafayette's visit at the time. It was like like a rock star of today course, yeah. visiting yeah. and touring the, the United States. Lafayette made dozens of stops in cities around the country where he was greeted by politicians, dignitaries, military companies, with ceremonies and parades. And Lexington was no exception. He visited Kentucky in what was to be the southern and western parts of his tour, beginning in Washington, D.C. in February of 1825. So after traveling through the southeastern states, his party traveled up the Mississippi to St. Louis then Nashville, Tennessee, Shawnee, Illinois, and then they headed towards Kentucky on a steamboat called the Mechanic. Um, and I think this is a, an interesting side story. Along the way, his group ran into a snag on their way to Louisville when their steamboat wrecked about 50 yards oh, offshore. Wow. No lives were lost, but Lafayette lost some of his personal property and money. Luckily, another steamboat called the Paragon passed by, rescuing them. Um, I love that and, name, the Paragon. Yes, yes. And, and then took them on towards Louisville. And the details of the whole tour, but specifically about this incident where they, they shipwrecked, the details are well documented by his secretary who published the notes of the trip oh, okay. years later. And they're, they're available if... If anybody wants yeah, to. Yeah, if you want to read more. So... After that, Lafayette and his party arrived in Portland, a few miles from Louisville, on May 9th. Again, he was greeted by important people, politicians, dignitaries, military companies. And I think it's kind of funny because he pretty much hits all the stops along what we would now call Route 60. <laughs> As he's making his way to Louisville, they stopped in Shelbyville, Frankfurt, Versailles, so Lafayette begins his trip to Lexington on May 14th, where his first stop was at Keene's Plantation on Versailles Road, and they spent the night there. The next morning on the 15th, Lafayette and his party proceeded into Lexington on Versailles Road. Then they proceeded up Main Cross, which is now Broadway, turning right on Main Street, 
passing the courthouse and then stopping at Keene's Tavern, which would be the future site of the Phoenix Hotel. AKA Blackstone Public Library now. (laughs) Yes, yes. After an official welcome to the city, he visited Transylvania University, where he was welcomed by the president, faculty, and students. Also, while in Lexington, Lafayette visited many of the notable spots we think about today, like Benjamin Gratz's house, the Masonic Lodge, and Ashland, though Henry Clay was in Washington, D.C. at the time. And also, he visited the Lexington Female Academy, and this school changed their name to the Lafayette Female Academy in honor of his visit. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was... It was a big deal. <laughs> I'm sure it was, yeah. It's interesting that it was that James Monroe decided to have him come 50 years in order to kind of boost morale. I guess people's memory of the Revolutionary War kind of begins to fade, I guess, and people kind of Yeah, and I think forget. also as the states were expanding westward, the, a lot of the people didn't have the common experience of the early colonies, yeah. so they, the people in the westward states wanted to have that same sense of belonging and yeah. history and that the original yeah. colonies, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's interesting. James Monroe's um, goal of inspiring or, you know, building up morale, do you think it worked? Yeah, I mean, I think like everywhere he stopped, his visit had a huge effect on the community in Lexington. The cities he visited held parades. They often built structures to honor him. When he visited Transylvania University and the Lexington Female Academy, the faculty and students composed poetry and performed music for him. Lexington actually established a committee of members from the community to prepare for the visit. And this is documented in newspaper articles from the time. And yeah, it just, it was, it seemed like something the whole community was really excited about. Yeah. I mean, our county is pretty much named after him and yeah. school that's still named exactly. after him. So it's, exactly. it was a very big deal that would have ripple effects. So we know a lot about his contribution to the success of American independence. Can you talk to us a little bit about his contribution to the democratic ideals and his advocacy for natural rights, including his anti-slavery ideas that influenced those around him? Lafayette first arrived in South Carolina, and that's where he encountered slavery for the first time. He And there are some descriptions of early experiences he had. He somewhat quickly evolved into an abolitionist because he observed the contradiction of the slavery system in the colonies while also fighting for universal human rights and liberty. He studied books by noted abolitionists of the time and was influential in the abolition of slavery and France. In fact, he, he with the help of um, Thomas Jefferson, he also helped draft the French Declaration of Rights of Man. He was a proponent of today what we call gradual emancipation. And an interesting bit of information I read about him was that he and his wife, Adrienne, bought a plantation in French Guyana with the plans to free the enslaved people there. He tried to get American investors, including George Washington, without much success, I should add. (laughs) But, I mean, his plan never really came to fruition, but I do think it's indicative of his goals for abolition. Yeah. And those were, you can say, pretty controversial views at the time to have. Oh, yeah. Definitely. definitely. He's not going to find support. 
what was his role in the French Revolution? And what, from what I read, is uh-huh. he spent a lot of time here in the U.S. and was very disappointed about how the revolution, you know, took a downturn mm-hmm. in France. Yeah, when he went when he went back over there, a lot of the revolutionary that were, you know, a pie, they told him stay out of it. Yeah, yeah. he kind of got hooked up with the wrong side, kind yeah. of by accident, and then it kind of fizzled, and then he was actually active again like when napoleon and came back i mean there's lots of and actually his involvement in the revolution kind of like bit him a little bit because then he ended up in prison yeah so after the tour was over where did he go what did the tour lead to at the end well he continued back through the northern states i believe it ended in boston and then he went back to france yeah but his visit did significantly impact here locally. Lexington, like we discussed, our county is named after him, our school. I mean, Lafayette's contributions to American culture are so ingrained yeah. that it, it's hard to overstate his influence. I mean, yeah. cities, counties, schools, hotels, businesses across America are named for him. And if you didn't know who he was, of course, just hearing about the musical Hamilton, you're, you're going right. to know exactly who he Hamilton was. has brought back interest oh, in, yes, in Lafayette. Course. I mean, his his leadership in the American Revolution, the French Revolution, gave him the title Hero of Two Worlds. Yeah. Here's an interesting story I came across about Lafayette that just kind of shows his, his longstanding influence on the culture. When the U.S. entered World War One in 1917, the French government asked for U.S. troops to march through Paris as a boost for morale. Mm-hmm. At the conclusion of the march, General John Pershing and his staff visited Lafayette's grave outside of Paris. And at the grave, this is what Pershing's assistant like proclaimed. It is with loving pride we drape the colors in tribute of respect to this citizen of your great republic. And here and now in the presence of the illustrious dead, we pledge our hearts and our honor in carrying this war to a successful issue. Then he turned towards the grave of Lafayette, raised his arm and dramatically exclaimed, Lafayette, we are here. Oh, wow. <laughs> Lots of love for Lafayette from, yeah. from the U.S. There's just so much more about his life that is fascinating. His involvement in the French Revolution. He was imprisoned in Austria for a number of years. There's lots of writing about his attempts to escape. His wife was imprisoned as well. And there are stories of James Monroe's wife trying to help her negotiate her release from prison, his role in politics, other events. I actually got interested in this topic. I read a really great new biography about Lafayette. It's called A Hero of Two Worlds by Mike Duncan, available at Lexington Public Library. So I encourage people to check that out. There's also a really great website called LafayetteTrail.org. It's a movement to retrace his visit to America in 1824-25. And this organization, they're putting historical markers around the country to commemorate the places he visited. Yeah, that would be cool to go like on a tour, like a physical tour Mm -hmm. to go visit every single spot he stopped on. That would be really neat. Yes. Yeah. It's a good way to see the country and learn a little bit of history. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, David, for visiting us and for the research that you put into the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And for any resources, check our website and we'll make sure to link everything that was mentioned today by, by David. Thank you so much for listening.
Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Kentucky Room, a podcast brought to you by the Central Library's Kentucky Room staff at the Lexington Public Library. If you enjoyed listening, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you have any questions about local history or genealogy research, you can visit us in the Kentucky Room to use our collection and newspaper microfilm, or you can email us at elibrarian at lexpublib.org. That's elibrarian at l-e-x-p-u-b-l-i-b dot org. I'm Miriam, and we'll be back with another trip down Lexington's memory lane.